Welcome back to the Goldmine Podcast. This is Patrick Prince, editor of Goldmine Magazine, the music collector's magazine since 1974. You can also visit us at goldminemag.com, and we have a store, shop.goldminemag.com, where you can find unique vinyl and collectibles. And the issue is at Barnes & Noble and Books A Million, of course, and the latest issue has three alternate covers, and that would be Judas Priest, Santana, and Deep Purple. It is the February-March edition. We are now bi-monthly, and you can also get a collector's edition of the Judas Priest cover at shop.goldminemag.com. It includes a rare exclusive photo print of Rob Halford. Okay, well, this edition of the podcast will have Joe Satriani, but a little bit different. Joe Satriani will talk about his fine artwork instead of his guitar playing. Of course, he has a new album coming out called The Elephants of Mars in April, but we'll, we'll, we'll feature that uh, on a later date. We're going to talk today about his artwork, which he produces in a unique way, in various ways. It's abstract art, and it's excellent if you haven't seen it. Um, it is going to be at the Wentworth Galleries. Uh, you can go to wentworthgallery.com to view it. And if you're lucky enough to live in Florida or be around Florida, you can go to the gallery itself. Um, there will be, you can go to the Wentworth Gallery, that is. Um, there will be um, a showing on Friday, January 28th at the Seminole Hard Rock Hotel and Casino, and also on January 29th at the Boca Raton Town Center Mall. So go to wentworthgallery.com for more information. So we'll be right back to talk to Joe Satriani and his fine artwork. It's a, it's a fascinating conversation. I hope you dig it. We'll be right back after this message. You just finished up another interview, I guess? No, I... I um... I was talking with uh, my luthier um, about a bunch of guitars that we we've been working on for the last year. Um, supply chain issues are just, you know, driving my little corner of, of the industry crazy. Um, and uh, so, and then plus I was looking, I'm, I'm been painting like crazy. And, uh, and we just sent off a, uh, about 30 or so paintings um and i i think there was one that i had sent over that was part of the batch that i didn't have a digital record of and so um that's what i was i was scrambling around i thought maybe i brought it to some other part of the house and i didn't know where it went and then i thought did i sign it did i title it did, did we just pack it up with the other 30 so anyway <laughs> well, well, because that, um, well, I saw the, this one painting you did face and blue waterfall and I loved it. I'm a oh, great, thank you. I'm a great fan of abstract painting. And that was, I thought, fantastic. Um, and being goldmine is not only a music magazine, but it's a, a collector's magazine. So of course, when ever musicians, um, 
paint or do other things like that, that like artwork that can be collected or bought, we, uh, you know, cover it. Um, so we, we uh, actually did, we've interviewed Rick Allen and Chrissy Hind and Graham Nash. So all, all, you know, people in, involved with different aspects of uh, creativity. So I, I saw that painting of yours and I said, you know, I would love to, to interview you about, about painting and, and you have a unique technique that I know when speaking to Rick Allen, he used to use his drumsticks and rhythm to d dictate his uh, visuals on canvas. Um, and you use a, a glove, right? That was developed for you. Maybe you can explain how that works. Yeah, well, the, it's boy, the story is really uh, intricate and interesting and fun how it all started. Um, you know, the background is, is that uh, I'm, I have two, I'm, I'm the youngest of five kids and my two older sisters are, uh, you know, trained professional artists. So when I was a little kid, there was always art happening in the house and and they would humor me and give me paints and a teeny canvas and send me in the corner of the room uh, so I wouldn't bother them, you know. So I, I developed uh, my own style basically because of lack of training. And um, I wound up years later uh, putting that into, I, I think we trace it back to the extremist album a CD booklet wound up with the very first published little sketches that I did. Oh, yeah. And, uh, and then um, moving forward, they wound up um, when Mark Mengi was working with planet waves, Diderio, uh, he had the idea of getting a bunch of those sketches um, and making guitar straps and picks out of them. And so I handed over all the books I had with thousands of drawings. And uh, he was a great editor at, at finding stuff that could work in the weird world of manufacturing guitar straps, you know. Um, there are all sorts of parameters you have to adhere to to, to get your images to work. Um, and then it just sort of snowballed. And then uh, I put out a digital book. Um, I should say I put out a book of digital artwork uh, that went uh, all the way back to 2013. And then right after that, I said to myself, well, I want to, I want to see what it's like to actually paint. And, you know, my, my son has got a degree in art and as well as my wife. And uh, so uh, I just asked them like, well, how do I do that? Like what, what is the process for, for painting, how do I work a brush? What what do all these brushes do? And what do you have to do to a canvas? Um, and so I got some really good instruction, uh, you know, from the family about how to transfer what I was trying to do uh, on the computer and, and, you know, basically sketching on paper, photographing it, manipulating it uh, on the computer. Now I was fully analog and, uh, Boy, what a mess. I, <laughs> I wasn't prepared for the amount of washing up that you have to do uh, as a real artist, you know, dealing with paints. It's really, it's not good for a guitar player's calluses. Let me, let me tell you that much. Right now. But um, 
small problem. It's not a big problem. So anyway, uh, I'd say uh, going back maybe, well, yeah, not quite 10 years, maybe eight years, slowly I started to work on canvases. And it was pretty straightforward. Um, paint right out of the, the tube, uh, you know, um, combining the artists uh, that I really love um, and trying to see if I could come up with something new that, that would really excite me. Um, and it just got bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger, you know, and I wound up with just like a lot of canvases in the music room where there used to be mainly guitars and amps. Then mm. by coincidence, I got a call from the guys at scene four, from Corey and Ravi. And they told me that they had been working with drummers primarily where they would outfit them with these gloves that had little LED lights on them. Mm -hmm. And they'd put them in a darkened room, uh, really no light at all. And they would photograph them as they played uh, in a unique way. And then Ravi would manipulate the photographs with his own artistic approach to create these beautiful yet abstract um, artistic statements of a musician, uh, you know, in, in the throes of creativity. Mm. Um, it's really, uh, it was really quite fascinating. Uh, let me reach over and turn off that thing. Okay. So, um, so anyway, we're having a break. We were we were doing these these photographs, and they're turning out really great. We're having a great time, and and I just happened to pull out my phone, and I said, you know, uh, we start talking about artists and things like that, and I said, I do actually some painting, and I showed them some stuff, and they got real excited about what I was showing them. That you know, I had about maybe a hundred canvases that I had photographed and, and they had no idea that I had been painting for a couple of years. Mm. So they said, well, how would you feel about maybe sending us a couple of these and we would create a print. We would combine it with the, what we're doing with your, the photography with the led gloves. Mm. And then you would either add to it or we just leave it alone. So that became a collaboration that really started this ball rolling in a big way. Um, and it was really, it really felt comfortable to me because that's kind of like how I make albums. You know, you, you come up with ideas on your own with the engineer, right. You know, you, you write songs and, you know, about things that are, that are personal, or whatever, but eventually you get in a room with a bunch of guys right. and you, toss it around. And then, as you said, you've got the engineer who says, Hey, what about this? Could we do it like that? And then you've got a producer right. uh, who also helps bring ideas and crystallize your own and, you know, manage the situation. So in, in many ways, the first thing that we did with the uh, radiant uh, collection and radiant echoes was this sort of uh, producing uh an exhibit that number one started with just that photography coming from scene four. Mm. Number two, a combination of my artwork and the photography. And then they asked, they would print these things and then they would ask me to paint on top of them, which was really crazy. That was something that was, you know, creatively 
really stretching me um, in a good way. Then when they, they went further and they said, we'd love to show it to a couple of people out there who run art galleries. And, you know, this is all really heady territory for me because, you know, I'm a guitar player, I'm a musician, and this, this is a passion of mine, but it's never been, uh, you know, something that I, I thought I'd be doing uh, uh, professionally, let's put it that yeah. way, you know. Uh, form like up front, you know, like a, a hanging paintings in galleries and things like that. Um, and anyway, we get connected up with, with Christian uh, O'Mahony at um, Wentworth Gallery. And that became another really wonderful uh, meeting and association. Um, and, and he has been sort of like that producer engineer band member kind of guy that you, you know, you send him something and he responds to it in a certain way and he throws back an idea, um, you know, or just talking with him on the phone uh, about things that we like artists that we think are really cool present or in the past. And from that comes, a, you know, a conversation about, well, you could try that, you know? <laughs> so um, that started out with him, uh, buying a bunch of guitars from Ibanez and sending them to me uh, a year ago. And, uh, and I, I painted uh, alien themes on all these guitars and that was so much fun. But I got to tell you, I had to take the guitars apart because of the, <laughs> because of the supply chain issues, there was no way to get raw body parts. So he bought fully functioning guitars wow. And uh, I had to take them apart and sand them. And, you know, then I did my artwork and then I sent them to a guy uh, who, who uh, sealed them for me and finished them. And then I had to reassemble them. <laughs> it's just really, it was like artist luthier job, you know, it's really crazy. I, th um, I think that, I think that, um, you know, for someone who's been known for one kind of creativity, if they take on another it kind of helps them, you know, with their first, you know, what they're known for. It kind of, you get, you step back, right. You take a breather, but you're, I don't know. I've heard this from other musicians who explore creativity with other mediums that it actually helps them as a musician. Do you feel that way? I think any creative endeavor it helps you. Uh, it really does help. Yeah. I, I really think that, you, you know, it keeps that, um, keeps you in that state of mind that you have to keep reminding yourself of that. You just right. keep doing it, just keep producing, keep being creative. Don't let anything slow you down, entertain the craziest notion. You know, it's such a long shot, you know, a life in the arts <laughs> yeah. that you have to create this illusion that everything's going to work out. <laughs> that, you're, you know, you're lucky you come from a family of artists that probably helped you in a way um because you know you're maybe your family understood um you know when you locked yourself in your room and played guitar <laughs> they probably understood about this is this we want to push this we want to you know back him on this some families don't you know that's true yes yeah uh, you know i was fortunate but it's 
interesting. My uh, dad was an engineer. He was like a, a genius, you know, graduated college when he was still a teenager. And, and because of when he grew up, he was pressed into the service for designing things to help the, the war effort, uh, World War II. So he worked as an engineer, electrical and structural uh, engineer uh, for his whole career. But his older brother was a musician his entire life. He was an accordion player, of course, an Italian from Long Island, I mean, from uh, Manhattan. And, uh, and he, I think he always thought that's the life, you know, it's like, I should have been a musician like my brother. <laughs> and <laughs> so, you know, when, uh, when I started to show signs that, you know, academia was not my forte, but, I, you know, I started on the drums and I went to the guitar and I was just crazy about it. Um, he was very encouraging and, uh, I have to say, I benefited from the fact that after being number five and my parents having to raise kids during the 60s, that when the 70s came along and I was 14 and want to play guitar, they had already thrown their hands up in the air and were like, OK, whatever, you know, like <laughs> <laughs> this, you know, how could it get any crazier, you know? Um, so, yeah. <laughs> well, you know how you know, inspired you were by Hendrix and he really turned you into a serious, you took guitar seriously after sort of listening to Hendrix. And then, you know, of course, after he died, uh, was there a certain artist that inspired you to push you forward? Like go back to when you were say doing these uh, sketches uh, a certain artist that really inspired you to embrace art. I think um, when I, when I first started to think about it, um, I had, you know, as my primary source, my sisters, Joan and Carol, who were really, although they were twin sisters, uh, they were so different in their approach. My sister, Joan was really into abstract stuff. And uh, Carol was just the opposite. And, you know, Carol could capture sunlight on a painting from any part of the day in any, you know, natural form. And, and they both actually, both sisters could do anatomy like crazy. I mean, it was really beautiful what they could do to the human form. Uh, but like I said, Joan was more abstract. She was pushed uh, creatively to you know, to undo reality on the canvas. And so I kind of carried that with me. And uh, I didn't really, I wasn't really excited about what was happening in the art world until the mid 80s. And uh, my wife and I actually painted a guitar based on what we saw. I think it was an article maybe in Vogue magazine about uh, Jean-Michel Basquiat. Mm -hmm. And we were excited about that sort of new expressionism, whatever they were calling it back then. Um, and so I became a fan of his work. I just, I just thought that his sense of composition was as if he were a 300 year old master. I mean, it's just, it's crazy, but his themes of course were so modern. They were just so urban like, but every time I look at his stuff, I see this, 
beautiful sense of composition where somehow he balances out this intense chaos of subject matter and color. And his methods were, I love the fact that he was using encaustic and acrylic and oil stick. And he was just using anything. I just, I was really attracted to the idea that he had sort of deconstructed how to be a painter and then what was somehow delivering these beautiful works. And, oh. and then on the scale of what he was doing. Uh, so as I started to get into it, I thought, what do I really like? You know, and I realized that I loved uh, Modigliani probably more than mm -hmm. any other painter. Um, I love the symbolism uh, of uh, Redon, Odilon Redon. That's, I mean, just, I, I'm really attracted to that stuff. Very, a very unusual painter. Uh, and, uh, and then for other guys, like there are periods of Rothko and Warhol and like Richter, like for, you know, I wasn't into his like, his like Photoshop realism portraits. Mm -hmm. Um, I've seen that done a lot, uh, but his uh, sensibilities with abstract is really something. That's really something, you know, it's not, whereas other abstracts can be totally whimsical, like this stuff from a hundred years ago, his abstracts from, from the eighties have a seriousness to them, which is really remarkable how he created that. But, yeah, he, that guy's insane. Uh, the amount of phases he's gone through and how he completely reapplies his technique to do something entirely different. That's, that's, well, you, have that's a, you have a great uh, quote that I pulled about the balance between seriousness and humor. You said there's a balance between seriousness and humor that can imbue in a painting a kind of resilience and longevity you know, longevity, maybe you can explain that a little bit. Further. Yeah. I, yeah. I think um, there was a lot of that. I think if you like uh, Joan Miro, I mean, there's a, there's a, yep. uh, I've always really loved that, but I understand, like, I, I remember once, I think it was in the nineties uh, we were on tour in Europe and we were in, uh, I think we were in Madrid or Barcelona, me and, and Jonathan Moover and Stu Ham. And we're just walking down the street on a day off and we just happened to walk past a museum, a small one that had uh, an exhibition of Miro stuff. Mm. And I, at the time I was really into his artwork and I made the guys go in and they had never heard of Miro stuff, but I made them go in anyway. <laughs> so I bought a bunch of tickets. We go in there and I'm in heaven. I'm looking at his stuff and I just think it's really great. You know, and they're looking at it and they're just they have that, you know, that that saying about modern art where, you know, modern art equals I could do that. <laughs> Plus, yeah, but you didn't, you know, so there's a certain amount there's a certain amount of this thing where people go, they rate something, a piece of artwork based on whether they think they could have done it, you know, which is totally messed up, you know. So but I, so I but I realized, wow, I, there's no convincing somebody you know, that they should like something, right. <laughs> you know, they either like it or they don't. And uh, however, um, Miro's stuff has endured and, and he definitely, along with, you know, Kandinsky and a few others, they, you know, 
the 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 meter moved from humor to seriousness quite a bit between right. all all those guys but they were they tried you know um dali i mean as a good example i mean I, you know, do you, you really do wonder, like, is he taking it seriously? But if you look at his earlier works, you see, like with a lot of artists, they start out really serious. Yes. And then something happens where they get frustrated with the norm and they go, I'm going to break free. And mm -hmm. then, you know, I'm going to try something different. Um, and and it's I think it's, uh, you know, Jasper Johns, uh, Rosenberg. I mean, they they all do these things where they they start in one place and then they they move on to another. Um, and I and I love that. You know, I, I love the idea that somebody at one point said, "I'm going to do a giant uh, painting about a phone," and just because it's a telephone doesn't mean it's not worthy of being, you know, a, a fine piece of art. You know, and, and but whereas earlier, no one would ever, you know, people would say, well, you can't do a painting of a telephone. A telephone is just ordinary, you know, yeah. it's got to be something serious or, you know, devastatingly horrible or beautiful, you know. And uh, but no, this, and and then that's why we wind up with these incredible paintings of chairs or tables or, you know, ordinary objects. So um, and, and I think that Warhol also went through that period he was a very good painter you know very skilled um but then he got to the point where he started to see that the that the, the ordinary of everyday life needed to be celebrated uh in a unique way mm -hmm. and um and and a bunch of them were kind of moving in that direction but it must have been a lot of fun you know um turn, turning his creative eye to a campbell soup can <laughs> But you're right about how even people view art, how they evolve just like an artist. Some people I've 20 years ago, I, I have friends that would look at abstract art and say, I can do that. Just like you were, you were saying about your, your friends. And then 20 years later, they love it, you know, because certain things happen in their lives, certain experiences, and they're able to connect with it. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I think that, to a certain extent, um, if you'd have to draw a parallel to it, it's like um, it's like the blues, let's say. Yeah. Like everyone is allowed to play the blues. And even though to play the blues, you're basically copying every other blues artist that's gone before you. As a matter of fact, you have to learn the moves so that when you play it, people recognize it as being the blues, right? So th there's... Uh, you know, you're, you're sort of joining in, you know, but then again, we all have our favorites playing the blues. We know, like, for instance, when I, I, I loved hearing Jimi Hendrix play the blues, uh, the, the people who got into the blues earlier might think, well, he's not, you know, as original as the guy that I listened to, you know, he's put his own signature on it. He puts his own signature on it and it, and, that makes it reach different people. New just people. like Led Zeppelin and just like Cream and yeah, absolutely. Right. Yeah. yeah. So I think that new there are new artists. You know, there's an eight-year-old artist somewhere in the world, and they've decided, you know, to to paint a, a chair or a Campbell soup can mm -hmm. or a flower or, you know, uh, uh, the the human form, and they should be allowed to do that, right? Why 
you know so why not um why wouldn't we want to you know view or own a piece of artwork where the subject matter is similar uh and the medium is similar you know let's say acrylic on canvas um but it's by somebody else so but it, you know it might be ronnie wood who's doing the painting or it might be somebody you never heard of who's just starting art school i don't think it really matters when it comes down to art you it either responds you know either you respond to it uh or it reaches out to you and finds you uh either way it's valid now speaking of someone like ron wood have you spoken to other musicians who have journeyed on this path with fine art and sort of compared notes or talked to them about it no uh it's funny i i thought um that i would have had a little bit more time uh you know now that, that i haven't been touring the last two years to to reach out and to talk to other people who are doing it but um my you know i've only really reached out to other artists uh right. when i've had questions um you know that um that were just real technical questions you know like musicians might talk to each other about the size of a pick or a yeah. set of strings or pedal or whatever you know or do you like you know basswood instead of alderwood that kind of stuff um i kind of miss that like i i often thought yeah it'd be great if you could walk down to the cafe and sit there and drink and smoke with a bunch of other artists and argue with each other about you know who makes the best paint and how long you should let gesso dry and all that kind of stuff that would be a pretty interesting <laughs> conversation actually you and ron wood talking guitarists <laughs> about fine art it would be pretty cool yeah it's really you know it's interesting that i think the only other guy i've talked to about it was steve Vai because he you know, it's a totally different style of painting uh, than than me. And uh, uh, and he, for some reason, went right to oil. And I, you know, I told him, like, I hate dealing with solvents. It's just right. something I don't like. And because I like to paint at home, I definitely don't want solvents open in the home, you know. Um, but other than that, you know, we haven't really spoken, you know, very much about our, our uh, techniques, whereas when it comes to music, we're the first people who trade albums with each other before they release. So, and we critique them for each other because we kind of depend on that right. honesty, you know, to, to help us understand our own work. <laughs> Do you think that you uh, put together a book of these, your newest paintings? I certainly hope so. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I, I'll do it on my own if if uh, there you know there isn't enough uh, industry out there to right. to make it happen. I mean that's what I you know I I was relating this story uh, the other day how when I was doing this electronic uh, you know digital art I realized that you know people weren't taking it too seriously you know and but I loved it I just thought well this is to me this is you know, I, I, I've taken like, you know, Kirby and Basquiat and I've put them together somehow. I mean, I just, there was something about the comic book art and that neo-expressionism that I really loved. And and I thought, I think I'm just not presenting it right. And I, I took a page, you know, from my music career to understand that how important presentation is. 
that you know when you do a showcase or something or when you play somebody a song you better be in the right location and do it at the right time otherwise you might miss your your spot your your moment so without telling anybody i put together a little art book using i think it was the apple's iphoto uh book program at the time and uh and i ordered like two or three books and then I took my manager out to dinner one night and I said, I have a surprise. <laughs> and I said, I just want you to react to it. I just, I'm curious. So I just, I handed Mick and his wife, Julia, these books. And I just watched to see, you know, how they would react to it. And I got the reaction that I, that I wanted, which was it, it appeared that they took the art more seriously once it was in a book. Mm-hmm. Because the way that they had to absorb it was different mm-hmm. um and boy does that make a difference like when you walk up to a painting in a gallery that is a, a very important experience yes. the gallery itself how that makes you feel being in a gallery surrounded by all that intense intensity of creativity and artwork the, um, especially if the artwork has texture to it and um that could make a great deal of difference yes yeah it's different from you're walking down the street and someone's got a canvas laying on the street that he's trying to sell for a dollar i mean it's really different and you think wow if this was framed and in a gallery at the right spot you might really take this in differently (laughs) so uh anyway have you heard of genesis publications they um i think they put out ron wood's books and chris is that right um that might be a good publisher to contact genesis uh they're from england um Mm. but they do great work on presentation like you said making a coffee table book that is you know when someone looks through it it's an experience you know yes Um, yeah yeah maybe contact them that would be a good uh, outlet but um uh, I know you're going to be doing the gallery shows at the end of the month. I'm going to get this uh, published before then. So maybe some people would, would go uh, know about it and go to the, hear you talk about it and, and go see the gallery. Have you gotten good feedback from your fans from uh, p- maybe people that you wouldn't expect to be into art or. Um, yes. Feedback then? Yeah, well, we did in 2019, um, I attended a gallery opening in Los Angeles where we had put together uh, not only the stuff that was seen for, uh, generated from Corey and Robbie from wearing the LED gloves, but also the two versions of the collaborations, one where the artworks were blended by Robbie uh, in the computer, and then the others were we took some of those and I painted on top of them and those sold really well and they continue to sell, uh, which was really great. And it was really just a real trip to attend, uh, you know, an art showing like that and to, to meet the fans like that. And then from there, we started to get requests to personalize guitars. And, you know, we found fans around the world that had, you know, wound up with two, uh, you know, hand-drawn illustrated guitars, some that I'd done for Ibanez because we'd done maybe 
I'm going to guess on maybe 130 guitars for Ibanez since we did a, a group in 2014 and a group in 2017 and 16. And, um, and then also the artwork. And then you get these pictures of their living rooms and it's, it's trippy to see your artwork, you know, uh, so uh, strongly displayed in people's yeah. living spaces, you know. Um, there was this one, uh, one uh, gentleman from Puerto Rico who had maybe six of my pieces Ooh. all over the house. Uh, I, I was really stunned. Um, but it was really great because that's, you know, that's, that's what I would hope that, that people get to look at them a lot. And because they're, they're painted in a way to reveal themselves over time. Let's put it that well, way. You know, <laughs> going back to the painting, I, I told you about face in a blue waterfall that that would make a good album cover. It would. Yes. <laughs> it's, you know, I haven't gotten to that point yet because I, I really love working with uh, other graphic artists who understand Right. The medium of, of uh, album art and promotion right. and the mechanics of how to get an image to pop around the world, uh, you know, on phones and magazines and, you know, just wh wherever, you know, that's a whole art form in itself. Uh, and there's so much technicality going on. You're, so right, I, you're right about presentation. I mean... Yeah, I can remember when I your the first album I bought by you was Surfing with the Alien because I saw the album cover and I said, "Check <laughs> this out!" <laughs> Isn't that amazing? <laughs> so and just what what a stroke of luck, uh, you know? That so that... yes, if you have the right artwork, man, this could uh, you know you could get someone interested, or they could already know your work and think not necessarily know certain albums and see that album art and say i want to check this out yeah this might be the mood of the recording yeah well i think um you know as i've been lucky enough to have a long career making music i've learned that the, the you know the most important part of it is that the any kind of success you have that you gain is really about allowing you to continue to play and so, you know, that's what the success in the music world did for me. It, it allowed me to continue to be a player and not to have to, you know, give it up and do something else. So I'm hoping to add this, the, you know, my painting to, yeah. um, to this, you know, fortunate uh, wave of opportunity, <laughs> you know, where the, I'm not really thinking, you know, like this one painting is, you know, defines me and, and right. I want to get paid for it. You know, I'm not thinking like that. I'm thinking if I can get people to enjoy it, uh, it perhaps it will open the door to allow me to paint more and, and continually. So that's what I'd like to do is just to continue to do it because it's like music. The most rewarding part is the doing part. It's not it's not getting paid for it. <laughs> Although that's extremely important <laughs> as, as we all know, getting paid for our services. Well, in the but, future, I hope I do, I do get, a, um, that you do possibly use your artwork for a cover. That would be, uh, I think that would go over very well. Um, I think for most artists, you know, they, the, it, it's a, they, 
they, I think it's important to get uh, known for the right thing. Okay. Uh, I, I don't know if there's a, you know, in the, the, in the music world, there's the one hit wonder, you know, the, the hit song that kills the band, you know, and it's <laughs> like a, a weird blessing curse kind of a thing. And, it, and, you know, they can never continue. They don't have a career because yeah. they have this one song that should never have been a hit for them, you know? And uh, so I think, uh, you know, perhaps in the art world, it's the same thing. You know, if you, if you're famous for, um that's an interesting know, point drawing a political figure or an event and it's that's all they they don't take right. anything else seriously so right um yeah so i thought about this recently because we were my wife and i were you know cataloging and wrapping up and sending these paintings off uh on a regular basis and they were all over the map you know <laughs> i mean there's there's flags there's aliens there's guitars uh there's abstracts uh you know there's i mean this the subject matter is really spread out and since um i'm not uh, i'm not confined by previous success as an artist i'm really free to keep moving in any direction i want um so i'm i was just for a second i thought well in in the most you know pie in the sky uh, <laughs> uh, dream, it would be to to be recognized for the variety of things that I do rather right. than the one thing. And, and I think artists like uh, Richter has had an unbelievable career just that way. Like when he changes directions, um, he's met with success and that's pretty remarkable. Well, I wish you all the best with these upcoming gallery events, man um thank you hope you have more and i know we're yeah. gonna we're gonna uh you know the magazine's also got an interview about your new album as well oh good <laughs> that's coming out when now uh is it april 10th or april 8th i, oh, I okay. forgot it it was written down somewhere in my in the studio <laughs> here but i can't find that piece of paper anymore did you already pick the album art yeah so it's all it's uh, the album was delivered uh right at the uh before the new year uh we uh my son did an amazing video for us for the first track that comes out in about a week um the uh and the artwork uh was dreamt up by uh, todd galapo who's been working with me and, and chicken foot for 10 years now right. he just came up with the craziest thing within like an hour of hearing the first the title track is really amazing He's such a creative guy. Um, and uh, so, yeah, and, and I just approved all the CD jacket, artwork, label, text, everything yesterday. So, yeah, so um, uh, you got it on vinyl, obviously. Vinyl's a yes, big. yeah. It'll be, uh, um, yeah, double album uh, for vinyl. And um, uh, the CD will have a very special booklet in it. And, uh, yeah. And of course, yeah, it'll be easily and downloaded and streamed in any format. Speaking of art, vinyl itself has become a piece of art with the splatter vinyl and <laughs> picture this, right? <laughs> so. Yeah, it's really, I mean, it's funny. I have a picture disc of Surfing with the Alien uh, that was done in the UK. And it's really funny because it's just 
one side is the album cover. The other side is a hysterical picture that they took of me one morning in London. And, uh, but it's, it's, it's a great source of pride and embarrassment at the same time. (laughs) Yeah. I was really happy when they finally started doing that. Um, uh, And as long as they can solve this supply issue, I mean, there's just not enough people making volume and cutting. And so there's There's super backlog for some artists, but um, the guys at uh, Adele and, and uh, your music seem to have it together. So. We're hoping for the best. Well, best of luck, like I said, with the events, and we'll be back interviewing you soon. Great. And thank we're, you, Pat. We're going to put this up as soon as possible. Thanks. All right. Thank you, Joe. Have a good day, man. Okay. Nice see you. All right. Bye bye. We want to thank Joe Satriani for coming on the Goldmine Podcast. This is Pat Prince, editor of Goldmine Magazine, and we are in the Pantheon Podcast Network. Also, you can go to goldminemag.com for additional content and go to shop.goldminemag.com to order unique vinyl and collectibles in our Goldmine store. Also, don't forget the February-March edition is on the newsstands. You can go to Barnes & Noble or Books A Million, select stores, and pick it up. Okay, well, we'll see you on the next episode of the Goldmine Podcast. Cheers. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.